Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining. Bob Cooney, you know that. I am here with Chanel Summers. Say hi, Chanel. And uh, pan over to Doug. Hey, everybody. (laughs) There you go. You guys are going to have to snuggle up together. Like We don't have to pretend. It's a close family. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So really excited to have you guys on. And, you know, I think it's some of the promo stuff. I was saying that VR Studios is, you know, probably the biggest, most interesting location-based VR company that nobody really knows about. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of get on here and and tell the story a little bit and talk about some of the exciting stuff that you guys are doing. Cause I've been watching for a long time. Like I've been watching your company probably before either of you were there and you guys have had some amazing wins and I want to kind of dig into some of that. So let's just start out with a little bit of background on both of you, Chanel, like you've got a really fascinating background. What's your superpower? (laughs) Well, I've been in the, in the video game industry for, for over 20 years and you know, I've worked at a number of amazing companies uh, such as Mattel Media, Mindscape, when it was Software Tourworks as well, Microsoft, lots of different companies. And actually, uh, I guess I'm one of the, the foremost pioneers in, uh, in immersive and interactive audio. <laughs> yeah, you are. And I was actually one of the uh, original folks on the original Xbox team and helped to co-design the audio chip for the original Xbox and also create the industry's first ever support team for creative people. Because there'd always been support teams for developers and technical people, but never for the content creators. And when we were first putting Xbox together, you know, we were making something by artists for artists. So we wanted to have a team that supported the sound designers, the artists, the game designers, the musicians, you know, all of the creative folks. So that was a... And when you say support, what does that mean? Because support can mean a lot of things, but I sense well, there's something um, interesting there. Evangelizing, working with them very closely to really take advantage of the power of Xbox, you know, because again... It was a lot of like very technical people that were digging their hands in. We wanted to make sure that the creative people were super educated, super excited, super evangelized. And we wanted to work with them very closely to get the best games out there. Yeah. So that was a big deal in, in really making games. in really making games that were super high quality to be able to, to provide that kind of um, education and support to those folks. Awesome. And so, Doug, what's your background? Yeah, so kind of a long history in uh, technology. I started off in a very interesting technology, uh, video laser disc for educational learning, one of my first roles out of college. And from there, I started a tech company, early days of the CRM and ERP systems. So I did that for about 15 years, sold the company, went to work for Microsoft, really helped Microsoft with their initiative when they bought uh, Great Plains Software out of Fargo, North Dakota, and they need to integrate kind of the business side into the technical side of their business. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And after I left Microsoft, I've been doing pretty much CFO, COO work uh, for both private and public companies, most all related to technology. So that's yeah, kind of the trend throughout my career. You know, it was involved in one of the first 
social media monitoring analytics, big data companies visible. And they had uh, the chairman of the board was Joe Grano from, he was the ex-chairman of UBS and Merrill Lynch. So just had a blast and a lot of different sets of technology. And typically they're immersive and they're new. So certainly this field is, it fits well into that. And and I, I like to think of it as kind of a game changer. It's easy to be too broad as I think we were, you alluded to not being known. And I think initially we were looking at all industries like the medical, military, training, and and you need VR studios yes, when you say yes, we. So this much is... opportunity. And, and yeah. now uh, we've kind of really refined that focus, location-based entertainment. And I think we've really found a, a nice niche here. But I would also say that even yeah. with looking at those different fields, we still have been doing location-based entertainment longer than any other folks. You know, like We quickly identified that much earlier on, particularly when other folks were still really like, dabbling in consumer VR and going, oh, it's all about consumer VR. And we were we were always about location-based yeah. uh, entertainment VR. We weren't one of those folks that like, oh, it's all about LBE VR. Let's transition over. We were always here doing right. it, um, working with a lot of very big companies, gaining a lot of experiences, understanding what it means to be an operator and what experiences work and what don't. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys were one of the the early companies in the free roam space, and I know you've made a you know a lot of investment into wireless, you know, in the early days, which has proven challenging for everybody. Just like just the getting frequencies, like even even Intel and and HCC can't get more than three frequencies cleared up to do wireless, right? And so, but now you've like that background, that combination of kind of creativity and game design background, and then this kind of more enterprise software background and a lot of you guys like most of the senior team has had some experience with Microsoft you guys are in Redmond right so um, it seems like you bring that DNA into the company and and so what I want to talk about is it feels to me like that combination has led to some of the big projects that you've recently done that have been really interesting and really successful because they're big and they're scale like so let's just start out with Dave and Buster so and so you guys did a launch for Jurassic World. So prior to the movie, and actually it was almost like with the movie launch, you guys rolled out somehow miraculously to every Dave and Buster's in the country, uh, like a day and date launch of this VR motion simulator. How did that come about? And what was that project well, like? We had been working with Dave and Buster's for many years already. And they came to us when they wanted to create a VR simulator platform. And, you know, they were really working through how to reintroduce uh, VR to their venues. And so they came to us over two years ago with a plan to develop this platform. And they really wanted our assistance in executing that plan. So that was the culmination of that, of having already that, that really good, strong history with them and them coming to us because they knew we had the experience and they felt that we were a trusted partner to be able to help them bring this project to life. Now, of course, underpinning this project is, is AMP, our attraction management platform. And that's what really kind of made everything um, happen. Because everything we do is yeah. enabled by AMP, by the VRCade attraction management platform. So I'm assuming they came to you and they said, we want to build this thing that doesn't exist. We want to package some intellectual property and content around it. And we want to roll it out on how many stores did they oh, have geez. at the time? Um, over a hundred for sure. Over a hundred, yeah. right? But we want to launch this over a hundred stores like 
all at yeah. once. <laughs> because one of the things that Dave and Buster's does, you know, and this is something that's been controversial, whatever, in the arcade industry is they they go line up exclusives with for a new arcade game like they did with the Halo arcade game from Raw Thrills, and then they'll throw media at it. So they'll advertise on television right. because they have scale and marketing budget, and then they'll say, the only place you can play this game is at Dave & Buster's for some period of time. And so that's become their marketing strategy is this exclusive content, right? And exclusive experiences. So, so when they came to you and they said, we want to roll this out on a national basis in over 100 locations all at once, no what was problem. your reaction? <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have like literally wet my pants. No, no. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that you know, as I said, you know, we we've, we've always been working with the big guys. So, Dave and Buster's, Universal Studios Orlando, Cedar Fair Entertainment, Knott's Berry Farm, Cineplex, Hershend Entertainment, Three Four Three Studios, Cartoon Network. Yes. The list goes on, right? We're going to get into those, but so what was it logistically like? So now you've got to design a product, you've got to build this ecosystem, right? And there was a lot of press around. There were a lot of companies involved. Universal was involved. VR virtual reality was, company um, or virtual, virtual reality company was involved. You know, D box, no, 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 Talon, you got no, no, not D box. Sorry, Talon, uh, Ashland. Um, uh, there was uh, HTC, HP, like everybody threw their logos was, on the press like release, around, right? And uh, 12-ish companies involved in doing this project, for sure. It was very, very extensive. And we worked. And a lot of egos, no, too, No, everybody involved. was really fantastic and wonderful to work with. And and we worked with Dave and Buster's, okay. too. You guys are really so funny. Really sort of, you know, uh, yeah. project manage and sort of be a, a master contractor to them to make sure all the moving parts were moving. So in the right direction. <laughs> so you guys had the software platform that enabled all of that, which is that AMP platform you're talking about. But then you also actually acted as the, the primary project manager to pull it all together and make sure that they could Absolutely. do their day Absolutely. And, and we also release. helped supported the virtual reality company, too, in making sure that everything was great with, with their Jurassic World product, making sure there was no motion sickness, pacing was great. So sort of, you know helping out on that yeah. respect too, as a support organization for them. And so one of the things that, you know, then Dave and Buster's comes out later and they do a press release saying that, or I don't know if a press release was part of their financial quarterly reporting in their MDNA saying that that particular attraction, because they didn't make it part of their power play purchase card, you had to pay extra for it. And they actually said that there was accretive earnings, like they actually were able to measure bottom line impact on a massive public company through that type of attraction. And I think what happened is the VR world, if they were paying attention, which I try to get them to, like, I think that's where the FEC, that was a tipping point, I think, in FECs where they were like, okay, wait a second, that means this is bringing in new money. And if it's bringing in new money, the ROI equation is a little bit different. <laughs> um, and I know some of this you can't comment on because they're a public company and I'm not going to I'm not going to ask you to comment on like I've done my own research. So this is, you know, I'll add that editorial from my perspective for the audience. But this was really the first time that a big company came out and planted the flag in the ground around VR in the FEC space and said, not only can we make money on this, but we can actually show that this is bringing in accretive revenue that, that falls to the bottom line. And I think that was a groundbreaking moment for the industry. And now we're seeing everybody follow in and saying, okay, we got to do more VR. We got to do more VR. And so I think you guys are uh, like pulling that off 
was a huge tipping point, is going to prove to be a huge tipping point. I don't know if any other people see it. Yeah, what I, I want to say is that. is that, and I may not have my numbers fully correctly, but when we last just released the Men in Black Galactic Getaway title, because then mm. VR Studios then did the next three titles, uh, Dragon Frost, Star Trek Dark yep. Remnant, and Men in Black Galactic Getaway, the AMP platform was managing and operating 140 individual simulators. So it's a huge number. But yeah, I think the yeah. thing that I also want to get across to your audience is that AMP is something that should be and could be managing, you know, all your audience's um, attractions. So this is yeah. not just something that is well, that's that, and I, specific or proprietary to Dave and Buster's or to us. This yeah. is for the community at large. And I think that it's because of that, you know, the, the enterprise background that a lot of you guys have that you know, enabled you to build this thing that's really super scalable that now you're seeing enabling big rollouts of attractions to big companies, right? And so so I want to talk about, but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the content strategy behind the Dave and Buster's rollout. So so you had you had the Men in Black, the Jurassic World, and that ran for a while. And then there was the Dragon Frost. Dragon Frost. That was an original IP, right? That was okay. And then Star Trek rolled out a few months ago. I believe it was in March. Yeah. And then recently you guys just did, and and I've got the trailer video for Men in Black that I want to play because I don't think a lot of people have seen this one. And so what I'd like to do is just show the trailer for the Men in Black, which is the newest Uh, release. How long has this been out? Okay. And then I want to talk about the content strategy around like how these big global like entertainment brands are using you and David Busters or whoever, because we're going to talk about 343 and Microsoft and Halo as well, like how they're using you guys for this launch platform, because I think it's fascinating. And I think it shows a huge market opportunity for the industry. So this is the Men in Black trailer, which just rolled about a month ago to David Busters around the country. The all new Men in Black virtual reality game is now at David Busters. Let's do this. Out of this world action and alien adventures around the globe. Men in Black Galactic Getaway, only at Dave and Buster's. It's going to be fun. We'll have fun with it. Men in Black International coming this summer. And so talk to me about, like, so Men in Black. Now, you guys are creating this content yourself, right? So both Star Trek and Men in Black. So we have, we produced both those titles, but we are working with an external development partner that we manage and produce. And their name is Strange Reptile. And so talk to me about, like, so you start with Jurassic World and then you move to, to Star Trek and Jurassic World, but, but Jurassic World and Men in Black were timed with the release of the new movies. Now, regardless of what Men in Black's box office was, like that's, you know, that's just a, a Sony challenge. What was the strategy behind from like, what can you talk about the strategy behind using location-based VR and specifically Dave and Buster's maybe to launch these global entertainment properties? Because it's really fascinating. Well, I mean, (laughs) frankly, to be honest, that's a better question for Dave and Buster's uh, and Kevin Backus because it's really their... I've been trying to get him on the show. So, you know, if you know him, we're just really great collaborative partners in helping them to realize their content strategy in a very successful way. So I would say that's a better question for them, for sure. The other thing I want to also make sure to mention to everybody out there is that all these games are all playable. None of them go away. So you can play all of them. They don't get rotated out. They're all available. Gotcha. So now there's a library of four games slash rides there. And because they're really, they're kind of interactive rides, right? There's games, 
but there's motion. And so it's kind of this really interesting, you know, because Rabbids, you know, look, Rabbids the Ride has gotten a lot of traction. There's 500 of them installed around the, around the world now. But it's up until now, it's been passive, right? The LAI product. And now they've just added an interactive one, or they just announced an interactive one. But you guys have made all of these kind of gamified and interactive to drive repeat play. Like, how's that worked? And do you have any statistics you can share regarding replayability uh, or anything like that? We don't have any statistics we can share, but um, we can say that the Dave & Buster's VR simulator has been a great success. The titles have all been a great success. And they're very happy. So if they're happy, we're happy because they're the customer. And I've yeah. seen where their <laughs> customers in turn are, are very happy. So you've launched all of these global brands, you know, within Dave and Buster's. And now just recently, the big thing has been this Halo project. So what can you talk about that at the high level? And then I've got the trailer for the Halo game as well. So talk about like, what is the Halo touring exhibit? What role are you guys playing with it? And then we'll show the Oh Yeah, the the touring show is um, from Hershend and 343 Industries. And it's called Halo Outpost Discovery. The first show has happened. It um, started, uh, kicked off in Orlando, and then it is moving through to four other cities. So it will go to Philadelphia, Chicago, Houston, and then end this year in Anaheim. I don't have the specific dates, but if you go on sites and look up Halo Outpost Discovery, you'll have all that information of those dates for the cities. But it is like, think of Comic-Con, but Halo, right? So, and it has really tremendous different types of attractions. So besides our VR attraction, it has escape rooms, laser tag, this big, interesting sort of dome ride film experience, and a whole mm. lot more. So it's, it's really cool, but our attraction is called Training Grounds. And it's actually um, built on top of our really cool product called VRcade PowerPlay. PowerPlay. We're going to talk about PowerPlay and esports here in a in a few minutes. But let's. I've got the Halo the video up here. So let's see. If we can get this Yowza. Come on now. Yeah, Let's Yowza. Quick little trailer a teaser video. So this launched what last week, right? Or this week? Um, last the, week. The show, the first show started July 5th. So went um, the 5th, 6th, and the 7th in Orlando. Okay. And what kind of throughput did you guys have? Like what's the oh, response been? The response been? has been uh, incredible. We were a very, very big hit of the show. If you look at um, the Halo Reddits, the uh, Halo discovery chat forums we were a huge hit and we so we had two arenas there and uh, two free roam arenas there and with two queue lines and our lines were packed every day and we had this one person who did it eight times he kept going back in line and you can imagine these lines are you know over two hours long and he did it eight times and there were other folks yeah. who did it several times too but i think he was the champion we he got the prize yeah so hopefully he gave <laughs> something nice for his time what was the setup like let's talk about the setup so how big is it how much equipment did you ship 
How many players were there? What was the staff? Like, let's get into the economics of the business of that event. Well, I will say, so we had um, our two backpack-based Vive Lighthouse 2.0 arenas there. And again, this is, for you folks out there, these are available to have in your own facility. So please call, please call us and talk to us about that. Um, (laughs) 1-800 buy my VR. We'll get. (laughs) But um, they were uh, 40 by 40 sizing. And so for training grounds, six people in each arena, three on three, because it's a very athletic experience. So this arena, this 40 by 40 arena can actually take six to eight people. But for this specific experience, yep. we recommend six because it is a true sport in VR. Yeah. That's the end of part one of this interview. Please join us for parts two and three shortly.